Hi, I'm Shane Robertson, and welcome to the Maysville Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Here at Maysville, we want to practice loving God, loving others, and serving the world. I trust this sermon will be an encouragement to you as it challenges your heart and strengthens your walk of faith. Now, grab your Bibles as we get ready to hear from the Word of God. you have your Bibles today, let me encourage you to find Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter number 13. We're going to pick up where we left off in verse number 42 of Acts chapter 13. While you're finding your place, uh, I want to introduce this sermon by uh, telling you this story. When I was in high school, Mothers Against Drunk Driving came to our school. Weeks before they got there, the principal of the school came to me and said, uh, Shane, I, I don't know, I was a junior, I, I think I was a junior, I, I'm not real sure. But the uh, principal came and said, hey, Shane, um, I want you to come up with a skit. I need you to do a skit in relationship to the dangers of alcohol. Uh, can you do that? I said, well, Mr. Davis, I'll, I'll do my best, I'll, I'll do. And I sat down and I got to thinking about what I might be able to do. And I came up with um, a monologue. It was a story about how... Um, I uh, come from a, a broken home and how I struggled um, with alcohol as I was introduced to it uh, very early in my life and um, how I got behind the wheel of a car one day when I was drunk and I, I had an accident and I killed some people and uh, the remorse and regret and the heartache and the pain that I lived with every single day of my life. That was the monologue. And it lasted about seven to ten minutes. And uh, I can remember sharing that with my school before the mother against drunk driving came and spoke to us. And after I was done with my presentation, my peers uh, all clapped and affirmed me and said, Oh, that was just wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, thank you, thank you, uh, Shane, for that. We can't believe you came up with that on your own. And teachers were all excited about it and all. But the lady from the MAD, from Mother Against Drunk Driving, uh, she came up and she said, look, she said, I've got to do this uh, in another school next week. Can he please come with me and do this same thing that he did today? Would, can we do that? And Mr. Davis, my principal, said, yeah, that'd be fine with me as long as his parents say it's okay. And uh, so my parents said, yeah, that's fine. And, and uh, we did. We went up to this other school, and I did the same presentation I did before. But the reaction I got, Joe, was totally different than what I got from my peers. You see, my peers know me, and my peers knew that I didn't really do that. But the school that I made the presentation in, never, they'd never seen me before. They really thought that I just got out of juvie, juvenile detention. They really thought that all of those things had happened in my life. And man, there were students that were crying. Uh, there were teachers that were shaking their head in disbelief. Uh, and at the end of the presentation, I even made the comment and just said, all of these things could have been true, uh, but they were not. They were not true. Uh, this was just a story that I tell, told to get your attention. I said it at the end. And, uh, but th th what got me, David, as the presenter, was watching the two different reactions I got to that presentation. The content was exactly the same, but the reaction was completely different. Right. 
That's exactly what we see here in Acts chapter 13. We see a presentation that is exactly the same as it was the week before. But we see a completely different response. Join me, if you would, in Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse number 42, as I preach a gospel this morning, that I, I preach a message this morning that I've entitled, The Divided Gospel. The Divided Gospel. Verse 42, look at what the scripture says. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now let me stop right there and fill in the blanks parenthetically if you're just joining us. What happened here is Paul and Barnabas have left Antioch and God has called them over to another location also called Antioch, but it's in Poseidon. So this is Pisidia Antioch is where they're at and they're preaching the gospel. Uh, Paul has just preached a, an amazing message inviting those to come to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. Verse 42 is the results of this and the results are absolutely astonishing. Some, some in this passage of Scripture we find, some received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord and said, look, we want you to come back and preach this same message again next week. Verse 43. Now, when the congregation was broken up, that is, when they were leaving the synagogue, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas. Now, let me stop and say something parenthetically right there. The apostolites here that we see here in this text, these individuals, proselytes, are very important. These are non-Jewish people. They're Gentiles who have bought in completely to Judaism and have submitted themselves uh, in full religious garb and even to the point of circumcision. They, they say, we believe this monotheistic religion is the way to Jesus, or excuse me, the way to heaven, and we join it willingly even to the point of circumcision and then we find here uh, they followed in verse number 43 uh, speaking to them persuading them to continue in the grace of God now here's what's interesting about this text these proselytes and these Jews mentioned in verse 43 are the ones that have received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord they got saved and so Paul and Barnabas tell them to continue in the grace of God. The grace of God's what saved you. Continue in that grace of God, he says. Verse 44. And the next Sabbath, so okay, so a week now has passed. The next Sabbath came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with jealousy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken unto you. But seeing that you have put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Now, I'm going to come back in a couple of weeks and, and, and just preach a message here in this text. But I don't want you to miss what Paul's saying. What Paul is saying is God doesn't send anybody to hell. You send yourself to hell by rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's made a way for you, but you will not accept the way that God has made. And so you've judged yourself, 
and you're sending yourself to hell. And then he goes on to say there uh, in the text in verse 47, For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light to the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, and they glorified the word of the Lord. And as many were ordained to eternal life, believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women uh, and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. But they shook off the dust of their feet again, uh, uh, feet against them and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word today. In Acts chapter 13, verses 42 through 52, we see the reaction to Paul's sermon in Pisidia, Antioch. Uh, there are two different reactions here when we look at it, when we study it. Uh, we see that they were some that received the word of God. They received the gospel message. And then we see they were some that rejected the gospel message. I want us to dig down this morning on those two points, but specifically into point number one. I want us to look at, in this text, these individuals that received the gospel. The first point that I want you to write down, if, you, if you're taking notes or if you're marking in your Bible, is those, they were some here in the text that received the gospel. We see that in verse 42 through 44. And again, we see it in verse 46 and 49. And as they received the gospel message, we see that they responded a specific way. That's really where I want to concentrate this morning's message. How do we respond when we receive the gospel of Jesus Christ? I mean, when it comes to this area of trusting Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and Lord, and the Holy Spirit is deposited inside of us, what is the natural response that a Christian has that receives Christ as Savior? In the text, the text identifies five things. There are five things that we noticed, or five responses that we see here in this text. So what we're looking at here is those who received the gospel message responded in five different ways. What are those ways? And have we responded the same way in the 21st century as these first century Christians responded? If not, how can we be challenged to have this response to Jesus Christ? That's what I want us to focus on today. Number one, so looking at this, uh, when we see those that receive the gospel message and how they responded, the first response I want you to look at is that they responded with a desire to know more. They responded with a desire to know more. So just for clarity's sake, when you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, there ought to be this response that you desire to know more of Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 42 again. The Bible says, And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Here is a desire that they want more of what they just heard. Genuine godliness 
is always marked by a love for and a desire for God's Word. Yes. This, in this particular text, we see the fulfillment of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. In 1 Peter 2, 2, Peter said this, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. Here is the first clue that we see in the text that these Gentiles truly were born again. They had a natural desire born inside of them through the Holy Spirit of God to know more about Jesus. They said, tell us more. We want to hear this again. We want to make sure that we get every bit of this that we can get. As a matter of fact, when you read Peter's words in 1 Peter 2, 2, and he uses that word desire, it is the word uh, epipatheo. Epipatheo. It means to long for, to pursue after, as one would pursue someone that you might love. We find, however, when Paul uses this, this phrase, he uses a different word. He uses the word, uh, he used the word parakaleo. Parakaleo. It means to call to one side to summons. We know the calling or the summoning, summonsing that these Gentile believers were having was towards Paul and Barnabas. But is the content of that calling that I want you to notice. Look at what the scripture says again. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought, there's that word, they called, they, they, they brought them in and they said, listen, we want to hear this again next week. We want these words to be preached to them the next Sabbath. As a matter of fact, this term uh, 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 in the text, this basalt, it means to beg. Yes. They were begging them, please preach the same message again, if you don't mind. Signaling that these believers were born again. Now here's the question we've got to ask ourselves today. In response to a desire to know more, how strong is your desire for the Word of God? Now, I want you to listen to me very carefully because it is not my intentions. My intentions are not to judge or condemn. That's not my intentions as your pastor. My intentions as your pastor is to see where you are and to put you at the crossroads of your spiritual life and choose to turn in the direction of Jesus and grow even more. That's the desire of my heart. So I don't ask this question for the reason of condemnation. I ask this question for the reason of spiritual growth. And in regard to the spiritual growth of your life, how strong is your desire for the Word of God? Let me think about that. Let's think about it just for a minute if we could together. Looking back over last week, how much time did you spend in the Word of God? Remember, the first century church, the first century Christians, they had the Old Testament, but not the New. The New is continuing to be written, but they had the Psalms, and they had the Proverbs. They had what they needed in the Old Testament to know the character of God and to grow in the knowledge of God. In response to the New Testament... They had the wonderful privilege of hearing those that heard Jesus firsthand. 
so that they might know what the word of the Lord might be. We are in a different place in the 21st century. We have, according to Peter, a more sure word of prophecy. And this more sure word of prophecy is everything that we need to have a joy-filled Christian life and to be moving in the direction of spiritual growth. And that direction is going to hinge on how much time, how much energy that you spend in the Word of God. So I ask you again, in regards to the desire you have for the Word of God, do you have a desire for it? Have you been in it? When you look at last week's Bible studies, can you say that I've had time, I've spent time alone with God and growing in my relationship with Him? If you haven't, I'm challenging you today to make that happen in your life. You say, well, how? How can I do that, Pastor? How can I develop a desire for the Word of God? Let me give you three things. You want to to develop a desire for the Word of God? Here's three ways you can do it. Number one, the first one is have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Have a relationship with Jesus Christ. What I'm saying to you is, number one, recognize you're a sinner. Number two, confess your sins to him and repent of your sins and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Do what these Gentiles did and get saved. Get saved. I'm saying receive Jesus as your Savior and have a relationship with him. Number two, the second thing, the second thing, maybe you are saved, but maybe you're stagnant in your spiritual walk. Here, The second one is for you. Admit that to God. Admit it to God that you're living in sin. Admit it. Admit that to God. God, I'm living in sin. I've met Christians that hate reading the Bible. I don't understand it. It's because your heart has gotten hard. If you truly love Jesus Christ and he's given us a love letter, I I mean, if, if, if the love of your life wrote you a love letter, bless God, you would open it up and read it. God who loves you wrote you a beautiful love letter. And he wants you to read it. If you hate reading the Bible, tell him. He's big enough to handle it, I promise. But then repent of that and trust Jesus that he could help you to grow. And then number three, here's the third one. Ask God to give you a hunger. A hunger for his word. We find this in the book of Psalms. Psalms 119, verse 18, the psalmist says this. Open my eyes that I might behold thy want, the wondrous things out of your law. Uh, the voice here translates it this way. Let me see clearly, God, so that I may take in the amazing things that are coming from your Law. Psalms chapter 119 is the same psalm in verse number 103 where it says, See how sweet your words taste. Taste and see that the Lord is good. If you want a desire for God's word, you can't keep doing what you're doing. You've got to do something different. And that something different is to come closer to God himself. Let me share a story with you if I could illustrate this this way because it really boils down to a matter of the will. Several weeks ago at our Wild Game Dinner Sunday, um, had a wonderful, loving church member whom I love with all my heart. I mean, I love love everybody. I do. But this one really blessed my heart. I walked up and I I said, good morning. How are you doing? And uh, he said, good morning. He said, pastor, he said, 
I've been meaning to tell you something. I said, what? He said, I'm so glad you put that weight back on. You look so much better fat. I said, thank you. I admit, I admit, yeah, I admit, I let myself go during the pandemic a little bit. I enjoyed the Krispy Kreme donuts a couple of times, a couple of pies and cakes. And, amen, I know some of you are relating. I, I, we, we're walking down the same road. But there were consequences to that. The consequences that I suffer from are an expanding waistband. And I know what I need to do to change. What I need to do to change is to do something different. And I know the different that I need to do. But what causes me to do the different is my own will. The same is true with your spiritual life. Listen to me. I'm I'm talking to Christians now, okay? If you're lost, this makes no sense to you. If you're lost, this will not work for you. If you don't have a connection with Christ, if you're not in relationship with Him, this will not work for you. But if you are in relationship with Christ, and you seem to be uh, desiring a stronger walk with the Lord and a hunger for the Word of God, then I promise you it's a matter of your spiritual will. And you have got to stop eating the junk food. And you've got to get back on the bicycle. And you've got to do some cardio. You've got to do some heart work if you're going to get your heart stronger. And so, and I I shared with you, I just finished up, or or, or this Wednesday, I finished up a a series of of, uh, lessons I've been teaching uh, on finishing strong. And I told the men on on uh, Wednesday night, I've been convicted for weeks. I've been convicted for weeks. Before, before that dear uh, preacher of a minister of a, of a, of a church member told me that, uh, that I'm, I knew that. I was already under conviction about that. I knew I needed to be doing right. But that solidified it. It called me to attention to help change my will. And so I challenge you today, Christian. Listen to me. If you're listening to me by way of video, I challenge you today. To change your will. Fall in love with Jesus and have a desire to know more. Verse number 43, there's a second thing I want you to notice. Not only do we see, uh, if you will, a desire to know more, but we also see they responded with a hunger to be together. A hunger to be together. Don't miss this, verse 43. Let's look at the Bible. I hope you got it this morning. Verse 43, the Bible goes on to say, Now when the congregation was broken up, Many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, that's Paul and Barnabas, the who is Paul and Barnabas, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. He tells them there in the text, we find here in this text, that they had this hunger, if you would, to be together. And this hunger to be together, the Bible says, according to verse number 43, was that they followed Paul and Barnabas. This following of Paul and Barnabas, we see this hunger because, look, let's face it, most of the time when church is over, when we're hungry, we're hungry for food. Can I get a witness right there? We really don't have a hunger to know more about point number two, sub point number three. We're hungry to get to the restaurant or to get to the table. 
and we want to eat and want to feed ourselves. Here in this text, we see that there's this hunger, if you would, to be together. They want to be together here in this passage the Scripture. So some of these new believers were so affected by Paul's message that they could not wait until the next Sabbath to hear the message. Now, <clears throat> let me say this. I'm not looking for the action point after church today for you just to keep hanging around church because he preached on this this morning. No, let, let's go be together somewhere else after we're done, okay? Right, somewhere else. After. But we find here that they had this desire to be together. Several, um, before the pandemic hit, I didn't say this in the, in the first service, but I have shared this with others, uh, even shared with my wife prior to this happening. Um, I kept having this uh, recurring thought, this even had a couple of dreams uh, that, that really just captured. And I want you to listen to me very carefully. You know me. I'm a strict biblicist. I'm a strict biblicist. I believe the Word of God. Hey. I am not, and, and I, I think my testimony and my preaching and my lifestyle has shown I am not a mystic. You know what a mystic is? Mystic that is someone that takes the Word of God and then believes all this other stuff. And if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, then uh, it, it's probably just Taco Bell indigestion or something. But I, I, I just, and, and that might be this. This might be what it was. But I kept having this fear, this, this recurring dream that I was preaching to an empty church, that nobody was here. That I just come and nobody was here. Did you know, Stephanie, one year ago today, that happened? You know, an eerie feeling is when you pull into the parking lot and there's nobody here. And you walk in your office, and I mean, it's going to be, you're supposed to have service in, in 30 minutes. Nobody's here. I can remember walking down that hallway, come out of my office. I come walking down this hallway to come get mic'd up, and we had, everything was ready. That's just, we've never missed a Sunday. When we went online, we just stayed online. But it was such an eerie feeling to be standing here, and I didn't have you to look at. All I had was the eyeball of a camera trying to talk and communicate and connect with you. That happened one year ago today. And I thank God that he provided that means. But the desire of my heart, watch this, this is where I'm trying to get to. The desire was to be together. And I'll never forget from that day, from day one of a year ago, there was not a week that went by when do you think we'll be able to come back together? When do you think we'll be able to come back together? When do you think we'll be able to come back together? Why? Because we have that desire. In relationship to born-again children of God, there's this hunger that we have to be together. We see that here in the text. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says this, Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, the day is approaching when the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. And as he comes again, we must meet together. The question we have today is, how can I build a hunger to be with other believers, especially during a pandemic? How can we do this? Two things. 
Number one, the first thing I want to say is we got to have fellowship. It's not healthy for born-again children of God to be alone. It's not good for a healthy for children of God to be unhealthy. From day one when we made the decision to pull the trigger to say, all right, let's get church back and let's get church back in such a way that we're ready when our congregation is ready to come back. And slowly and surely, individuals have been coming back a little bit at a time, a little bit. In fact, this might be, you're not here today, and this is your first time back in service. I'm so grateful. And I know the reason why. The reason why is you have a hunger to be together. You missed it. You want to be here together. We need to fellowship together. We've got to have it. Again, the Bible commands it in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. And so how can, I, how can I have this fellowship? If you don't have this, if this is something that's foreign to you, you need to call us. You need to call the church and let us help you find and connect into a fellowship. Yes. You need to be a part of some type of Bible study that meets regular, regularly together, that fellowships together because Christians need each other. Hey. And then number two, here's the second thing. Not only need to fellowship, but we also need to study. If you want to be together and you have a hunger or you desire to have a hunger to be together, then you have got to have study. You must study the Word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, rightly dividing the Word of truth. What's the Word of truth? The Word of God. And in order to divide it rightly, that is to speak uh, about what the Word of God says and how it impacts our lives contextually, not only when it was written the first time, but what it means for us today in its context, in the context of our culture. I'm telling you, if there's ever been a time where we need to be together to fellowship with one another and to study the Word of God, it's right now in 2021, while the world is going to hell, they need a gospel presentation. And I'll be honest with you, you ain't going to find encouragement from the world. That's right. Because the gospel divides. But does that mean we just need to fold our hands and go, well, we, okay. we, we, we ain't saying anything. Okay. We can't congregate. We can't meet together. No, it's our time to shine. It's our time to say, look, we serve a mighty God. One that's able to save. Hey. L- listen to this. Uh, I wrote this down. I, I want to leave it with you. Let me just throw it against the wall and see if it sticks. Often, it's an obedience to a command that we, that we find motivation and excitement for it, not the other way around. What I'm simply saying is, look, if you want to hunger for the Word of God, then you've got to obey the Word of God. And what does the Word of God say? Study. That is an active, that's an active part of my will. Just like I use my illustration of of getting, trying to get back in shape again. I know that if I get on the bicycle and I ride that bicycle and I kick my metabolism back in, I know that there's going to be results. I'm going to, I'm going to feel better. I'm going to have more energy. I'm going to be excited. My attitude's going to change. I'm going to lose a little bit of weight. It'll be a blessing uh, for, for me and for, for everybody. It'll give you something to talk about. hunger to be together, a desire to know more. Here's number three. Let me give you the third one very quickly. Verse 43. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, he's right. Look at that other neighbor and say, I don't know. All right, here's the third one. Watch this. Here we go. 
So here's the third response we see. Those that received the gospel had a desire to know more, had a hunger to be together. And then number three, uh, they, we see their response was they had a purpose on which to focus. A purpose on which to focus. What do you mean? Verse 43, look at what the scripture says in the latter part of the verse. He says, who speaking to them, this is Paul and Barnabas speaking to those that just got saved, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. Here we find a purpose on which to focus. Paul and Barnabas said, continue in the grace of God. Now, when we think about that, Paul's encouragement to continue in the grace of God, it tells us two very important things about the grace of God. And I've got to hurry. My time is slipping so quick. Two, two things that we cannot ignore. Number one, we choose to continue in grace or not. Don't, please don't miss that. As a born-again child of God, we choose to continue in grace or not. Paul and Barnabas knew this. And so when they tell these new believers, these individuals that come out of Judaism and now have embraced Christianity, they don't have the completed Word of God. They have the Old Testament filled full of the law that tells them that they're not good enough. They need a Messiah. They have heard the gospel message how Jesus died on the cross, was buried, rose again the third day, and that everybody that comes to Jesus can be saved. And he tells them this, the one thing I want to leave with you is continue in God's grace. That's, man, I'm telling you, this will revolutionize your walk, your outlook when it comes in relationship to being a Christian in the 21st century. Now, let me just tell you what this is not saying. This is not talking about hyper grace. That's not what this is talking about. This passage of Scripture is not speaking about stepping and treading over on top of the grace of God. What this verse is talking about is that you live in a sin-sick world, and if it weren't for the grace of God, you would be dead in your sins, and upon your death, upon your final breath, you'd split hell wide open. And what rescued you from that is the grace of God. And because you live in a sin-sick world, you're going to get your feet dirty when you walk on, in this age. You're going to experience difficulties. Bless God, somebody's going to cut you off on 285, and you're going to get mad. You're going to miss lunch for half an hour or an hour, and you're going to get hangry, and you're going to have to do something with it. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm just telling you. When you got saved, you weren't called to perfection. You were called to forgiveness. And we talked about this already in, in regards to our sanctification. But Paul's already mentioned this. In relationship to our sanctification, watch this. When I received Jesus Christ, March 22, 1988, as a 14-year-old boy, I received, I got saved. I, I'm, I started my relationship with Jesus Christ. He forgave me of my sin. As I walk with him as a newborn babe in Jesus Christ, I am progressively being saved. That is to say, I'm going to mess up sometimes. I'm going to need to exercise 1 John 1, 9. 
where the Bible says, if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Well, does that mean that when I receive Christ as my personal Savior and Lord, if I walk in this dirty world and I mess up, then I'm no longer saved? No, it has absolutely nothing to do with my security. It has everything to do with my spiritual growth. Because I can either listen to the Holy Spirit that's speaking truth into my life and say, I'm convicted over that, get right with him, forsake it, and continue to walk in the grace of God, or I can harden my heart and say, oh, that really don't matter, and I can trample all over God's grace and say, I'm going to do it my way. And Paul tells these first century believers, he says, listen, the one thing you've got to do is continue in God's grace. You were saved, you are being saved, and then one day, one day, you're going to leave this sin-cursed world and you're going to ultimately be saved from the presence of sin. Be gone forever. Right now, we as born-again children of God are in this progressive state. We're saved, we're eternally secure. When we die, we're going to heaven. But if we don't walk in God's grace, I promise you, th this world doesn't want what you've got. They don't want it. You call yourself a Christian, but you get hacked off over this, that, and the other. You, you can't even extend grace to your own people. Kick them when they're down. So, oh, bless God, they can't do anything. No, they can't do Do you know what they did? I thank God you're not God. The Bible says in relationship to grace, he, he could have told them anything. Anything. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. Didn't say that. He could have said, load up your, your ABCs of evangelism and, and get out there and, and, and now just go share the gospel. He didn't say that. The one thing he said is continue in God's grace. We can choose to be graceful to others or not. Let me show you this, and then I've got to move forward, but I'm almost done here with this particular section. This is a hard section because continuing in the grace of God needs a little bit more attention. Did you know this word continue in the text right there? It is in the active voice. That's important. Please hear me on this. What does it mean when a verb is in the active voice? What it means here is that uh, in regards to the believer, it is the believer's responsibility to make... Uh, a relationship with God to continue. It's your responsibility to do so. It's not my, I can't, all I can do is preach it. All I can say is, this word says that you've got to continue in the grace of God, and it's your responsibility. I can't do it for you. It's in the active voice. Number two, the second thing that's worth noting is it's in the imperfect tense. It's in the imperfect tense, which means it's a repeated action. It's something you can't just do once. What, he, what he's saying here in the text is, you'll be challenged to do this every day. Something's going to come up 
over the course of your day that's going to tick you off, and you're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to walk in grace, or are you going to walk in law and legalism? Remember, remember what's going on here. The legalistic Judaizers of the day are saying, this is not true. This, what this preacher is saying is not true. Jesus is not the Messiah. It's ridiculous. This is foolish. In fact, we're going to see next week that, he, that we see the words complaining or, or, or being uh, anti against what they're saying and even blasphemous in their words. And Paul reminds them earlier, continue in the grace of God. This is something you've got to do every single day. Day. And then it's in the indicative mood. What's the indicative mood? The indicative mood always means it's a statement of fact. It means that you can try to argue with it, but you're not going to win. That's what it means. It's a statement of fact. So here's what he's saying. When he says continue in the grace of God, he's saying it is a fact that you'll have to do this every single day. It'll be your responsibility and you have a choice, but it will be your will, your spiritual will, that'll be the deciding factor on whether or not you will offer grace to those people or law. Hey. He's saying I'm challenging you to continue in grace. Hey. Number two, the second thing we see here is this. We can continue in grace by following God's word. So that's the natural, the natural question. So how do you do this? If we're going to continue, how do you do it? You continue in God's word. Paul argued with them, or excuse me, didn't argue. He urged them to continue in God's grace through his preaching. He would later describe in his message in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he would, he's going to talk about the gospel of the grace of God. The grace that God extends to us includes instructions to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. That was the challenge that he gave to Titus in Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. That same challenge is offered to us today. That we too deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. The only way to do that, the only way to do that is to be more in love with Jesus than you are TikTok. To be more in love with Jesus than you are Instagram. To be more in love with Jesus than you are Facebook or any social media that's out there. In fact, I would, I'd venture to say this. To be more in love with Jesus and his word than the culture. Be in love with Christ, not the culture. So we find here that they had this purpose on which to focus on, the grace of God. Number four, very quickly. Very quick, number four. Man, I'm out of time. Verse 44, we see a compelling invitation. Christians respond with a compelling invitation. Look at verse 44 very quickly. I'm going to go really fast through this one. And the next Sabbath day, there came almost all the whole city, almost the whole city came together to hear the Word of God. How, in the, how did this happen? They had a compelling invitation. You see, when you continue in the grace of God, the natural thing is that you've got to come hear what this preacher said. You got it. You got it. In fact, it's even more in, our, in the 21st century. It's even greater. You say, man, did you see what the Word of God says? Did you read what the text said in the Word of God? 
The Bible says here that they, the next Sabbath, there came also the whole city together to hear the word of God. There's this compelling invitation. You've got to come. As a matter of fact, I wonder when this happened, I wonder, and it's not in the text, and you know, most of, when it's not in the text, you don't, you don't really mention it, but we do know this. Jesus told a parable uh, about compelling people to come in. And we're seeing they're compelling people to come in and hear this message. I wonder if that parable may have been related at some point during the message when Paul preached. I don't know. It's worth, it's worth using your sanctified imagination. Though. Number five, and I'm done. Here's the fifth one. I've got to close. <clears throat> Number five. Let me get to it. Uh, they responded... With, glad, with a gladness that produced fruit. A gladness that produced fruit. So, so if you're taking notes, you've got five subpoints underneath uh, the term, some receive the gospel. Some receive the gospel. And when, when they received the gospel, they responded in five ways. Number one, with a desire to know more, with a hunger to be together, with a purpose on which to focus. Number four, with a compelling invitation. And number five, with a gladness that produced fruit. That's found in verse 48 and 49, and we close. The Bible says, And, and when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, and they glorified the word of the Lord. And as many were ordained to eternal life, believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout the whole region. There are three things that we've got to close with if we want to be true to the text. Number one, the first one is this. The fruit that was produced was a focus on Scripture. Verse number 48. Did you see it there? Look at it again in the text. The Bible says, And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified. What? The word of the Lord. The, the, the natural byproduct of their salvation, when we see this desire to know more, this hunger to be together, this purpose to focus on, this compelling invitation, and the gladness that they had produced this natural fruit that focused on the word of the Lord. What should be our focus? Brothers and sisters, I challenge you, please, whether it be digitally, electronically, or whether you've got a copy like I've got, we need to have our Bibles open, and we need to be following along with the preacher. Why? So that we can be edified and challenged together, and I might be able to say, see, look right there it is. Focused on the Word of God. Number two, there's a second fruit. What is that second fruit? We see also a conversion experience. Verse 48. Look at the text. The Bible says in verse number 48, and as many were ordained to eternal life believed. Now there's a big theological doctrine right here. I'm going to have to come back in a couple of weeks and deal with it. But the point here that I want you to see today is that this gladness produced the fruit of focusing on Scripture and number two, seeing people come get saved. And then number three, the third one is, in verse 49, an evangelistic strategy. That's the third fruit we find in verse 49. Did you see it? Look at what the Bible says. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. Throughout all the region. Let me close with this illustration. And we will go uh, to Cracker Barrel. I'll stay here and preach again. You go to Cracker Barrel and get them warmed up for me. <clears throat> I was preaching a revival in Canada. And as I was preaching this revival in Canada, I got a phone call from the pastor. The pastor said, hey, listen, uh, I got a guy that just called me. Um, he's a native Alaskan uh, Indian. He's an Alaskan Native American. He said, uh, uh, native. 
Alaskan, <laughs> not American. He said, he wants to meet you. Can you, you got some time to come see him? I said, yeah, I'd love to come see him with you. So we got in the car and we went over there. <clears throat> we enter his home and I immediately sense a spiritual battle. There's a spiritual war going on. Uh, there are dream catchers hanging on the walls. There's alcohol on the table. There's some uh, paraphernalia, some stuff there, uh, marijuana and di different things there on the, on the table. I mean, beer cans all over the place. It just was a, you could tell there's a spiritual battle. I'm sitting in a chair, pastor sitting beside me. This guy's sitting across from us. There's a coffee table in between us. And he's weeping. He says, I'm tired of losing. I'm just, I can't do this anymore. I need to know the truth. Right there, I took my Bible out, and I shared a simple gospel presentation. At the end, I said, what's hindering you from trusting Christ as your Savior? He said, nothing. I want to do that. And right there in that man's living room, he prayed and received Jesus Christ as his personal Savior and Lord. Immediately after he prayed to receive Christ, he looked up and he said this, Now that I'm changed, what do I do next? When he prayed to receive Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit came inside of him, a natural desire came out of him to say, I want to know more. What can I do? And I said, you need to join a local church. You need to be involved in fellowship, Bible study. And I said, I'm going to tell you something else you need to do. You need to clean this place up. And I was respectful and, and nice. But I said, look. I said, look around. I said, let's just think about it for a minute. Do you think God's pleased with this alcohol that's on the table? Do you think God's pleased with the alcohol that's on the table? He said, no. I said, he's go. I said, you see this paraphernalia here? Now, look, I'm not accusing you of smoking dope or weed or anything, but, I mean, look, there's a pipe right there. Though, I mean, the bottle. Do you think God's pleased with that? Do you think you can find truth in that? No. You need to get rid of it. And he looked at me and said, you know what else I need to get rid of? I said, what? And this is what he said, Daniel. He said, you see those dream catchers all in my house? He says, there's a deep spiritual meaning behind that. He says, I, I'm an Alaskan, uh, native Alaskan. And I know what all that means. He said, it's got to come down. I said, you, you need to continue to walk after God. You know what I was trying to tell him? I was trying to tell him to continue in grace. Not being legalistic. Not, not saying, bless God, you got to get out there and burn it. Burn it. Didn't have to. Didn't have to. I didn't tell this story last time. Man, I'm so out of time. You can tell I hadn't preached in two weeks. <sighs> God help me. I won this boy to Christ one time. I won him to Jesus Christ. He was a headbanger. Man, metal, had long hair. I mean, just all that stuff. He comes in, and he sits at my office on a Wednesday night, and he says, Shane, now that I'm a Christian, I feel, I don't feel like my music's right. It, it, it's not honoring God. It's talking about, you know, killing your cat and, you know, banging your head and drugs and all that. I just didn't know who I am anymore. What should I do? I said, you tell me what you should do. Again, not trying to be legal. I'm just trying to help him continue in the grace of God. He said, I'm going to tell you what I feel like. I need to burn it. I need to get rid of it. I said, okay. I said, I'm, I support that. I think that's a good idea. So he goes home and tells his mama. You know what his mama told him? His mama said, 
you spent a lot of money on that. You're going to get rid of it? You're going to burn it? Don't do that. Sell it. And he said, Mommy, you don't understand. I'm different in here. I, I don't want to do this anymore. She said, I'm not allowing you to, to burn it. You can sell it. Did you know when that decision was made right there, listen to me, I'm telling you, Craig, when that decision's made, something triggered in that young man. He didn't even touch him. And within a matter of months, guess where he went back to? Right back into that. What happened? In a matter of his will, he chose to get off the bicycle and go back to the junk food. And he got out of shape. Can I ask you a question this morning, dear friend? How's your spiritual health? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you're here and you say, I'm a healthy preacher. Well, you're in good company. You're in good company. God wants you to be spiritual healthy, spiritually healthy. Would you say something like this to the Lord? Would you say, Lord, I know I'm a Christian. Help me to be spiritual health, spiritually healthy. Give me these responses in regards to my salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Thanks for listening. As a pastor, my primary concern is your eternity. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, that you can know where you will spend eternity. I would love to connect with you and talk more about your walk of faith. You can email and find more information about the ministry of Maysville Baptist Church on our website. Just type maysvillebaptist.net in your search engine. Also, you can support this ministry through our website or by mailing your gift to 8875 Highway 82 Spur Road, Maysville, Georgia, 30558. God bless you, and I hope you tune in next week where once again we turn our hearts towards the Word of God.